Praise God. All right. Well, um, been looking forward to this for a while uh, because we have a good friend, Emmanuel Kapofu, here today who's going to be sharing with us. And uh, I just, I think it's really important to have other voices speaking in to the church. And so it's a real blessing to have him today with us. He is the leader of International Life Center, which is a church in the city in Horsley Fields. And he also is the leader of Connect Wolverhampton, which is a group of local ministers in the city. And so I've known Emmanuel for a few years and have always been encouraged and blessed by his ministry. And so I was really excited when he agreed to come and share with us this afternoon. So I'd like to in invite him to come up just now and then we will pray for him. Uh, and if we could have a mic stand as well, just in case he would like one, that would be great. Okay, if you just want to stretch your hands out towards Emmanuel, then we'll pray. Father, we are so thankful for this man of God. We are thankful, Lord, that he is coming today to, to share your word. And Lord, that as we hear it this afternoon, we would receive it. And actually, that, that seed of your word would grow within us and we begin to bear fruit, Lord Jesus. We just pray your Holy Spirit fill him afresh and that as he shares, he would not lose any of his energy, but would feel invigorated and filled with your spirit as he shares. We bless you for Emmanuel's ministry. We thank you for this man. We pray your blessing upon him and his family. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hi. Hello. Take it easy for me, please. Hello. Hello. Yeah, as you heard, my name is Emmanuel, and um, I am happy to be here today. I am really blessed. I think the worship here is amazing. I thoroughly enjoy the worship all my days. It's, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And um, I will also... Um, request those on the sound desk to, to look after me. I'm African, so my volume can get wild at times. I'll try to be as English as possible. As English as in me. Um, but don't bet on, on that happening. I'll, how am I sounding so far? Is this alright, do you think? Am I English enough? I'm doing my best, you know, to be English. Say again? Oh, you run out of this place. You know, this young man in the front, you'll be sitting in the back. You'll say, oh, I, I can't bear this. What's your name, son? Isaac. Laughter. Praise the Lord. Yeah, um, I, I, I come to share with you today about going after God. And um, I, I don't come as an expert. I come as uh, what you might call uh, first among equals. And um, I long after God, after my inward man. I, I, I really long for God. And I, I pray that what I speak resonates with you. And um, 
I was just, you know, enjoying the worship and looking around at people. Uh, I liked Isaac, how he, he put his hands in the front, you know, when we were worship. Uh, I thought, I wonder how old he is, is this young man. You know, and you know, his hands were like this, you know, in worship. You know, uh, he's trying to cup the presence of God and get as much as he can. He's neat. And may, may, may you receive his presence, son. May, may your life make a difference. Uh, not just to yourself, but to your family and maybe to this nation one day. I want to share with you about Moses and um, my English self hopes to finish in about 30 minutes. But my African self could be going by Tuesday. You know, I would still be here. Someone who said, just be yourself might regret what you just said. <laughs> by Tuesday, I'm still going. Um, I want to share with you about Moses. <clears throat> Moses uh, is introduced into the Bible to us uh, through his mom. And um, mothers play a very key role in our lives, especially when we are still in our formative years. Mothers can be very key in our lives. And um, Moses' mom makes a decision when it was against the law because they were living in Africa and the, the population of Jews was growing, of uh, Hebrew people was growing too much. And they said, kill the, kill the boys. And uh, that's what he, uh, it was supposed to happen. And they were throwing them into the river Nile where, when they die. And uh, it must have been a smelly river Nile with all the little boys who were dying in there. And, uh, but it would be the river now which would be Moses' salvation when the mom weaved a basket and put him in there. And uh, I come from Africa and there are crocodiles and crabs in the, in the rivers. My first year here, we went to Willersley Castle on holiday. And uh, the person who was taking us on, on, on a guide, we were crossing through rivers. I couldn't help think, what about the crocodiles? You know, when you got back, I asked the guy, I said, aren't you afraid of crocodiles? He says, where are they? I said, in the river, there are no crocodiles. He says, there are no crocodiles. I said, what about snakes? He says, there's no snakes. I said, what? how did you do that? How do you take all the crocodiles and all the snakes away? In Africa, every river is crocodiles and crabs. But Moses never got eaten by any crocodile or beaten by any crabs. The Lord looked after him. When there's purpose, purpose looks after you. When the hand of God is upon your life, circumstances work for you. Even your enemy works for you and enjoys it and says thank you. Who picks him up of all people in the world but Pharaoh's daughter? He says, I found a child. I found a baby. It must be one of the Hebrew women who threw away their child. He's now mine. Miriam, his sister, who's looking, says, ah, I can find you a, a maid to look after this child. No, she goes and finds Moses' mom. So she breastfeeds him and gets paid for it to look after Moses as the grandson of Pharaoh. He goes to the best nursery school, goes to the best primary school, until he's in Eton, 
He's in Cambridge, Oxford. He gets the best the world can offer. Egypt is a world empire at this time, by the way. This is not the Egypt that is there now. There was a time when Egypt was the world empire. Powerful. All the great inventions. For instance, the battery which we use on this laptop, on this microphone, was invented in Egypt. Clever minds there. If you see how they shaped the pyramids, the calculations there, the mathematics is amazing. Moses got the best of that. Moses got the best of that. In his youthful zeal and passion, like all youngsters in university, I was talking to a parent in our church whose son has gone to university just one semester, came back. He thought he had learned so much. He said the doors were opening the wrong way and he's studying geography. And he says, Dad, the doors are opening wrong. Father said, you've been in university just one semester and my doors are opening wrong. He says, the doors are opening wrong. When you are in university, you can think you know everything. When you are young, you can think you know even the directions doors should go when you are studying geography. And Moses was youthful. He starts to try and take the world in his power. Ends up killing somebody. Ends up in trouble. Ends up a fugitive to justice. Ends up running away to another country. He leaves Africa and he goes in Midian. This could be somebody, you know, who could have been on the throne of Egypt one day. He was set, this guy. His granddad was a powerful man. His life was set. All of it is blown away. And in Exodus chapter 3, we encounter Moses as an eight-year-old man. (laughs) Not 18, 80, 80. You guys can get my accent, can you? Can you hear what I'm saying? Or are you just being polite? Can you, can you hear what I'm saying? Okay. Because you're very English. You just look at me, you know. In my congregation, they say, amen, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. You know, whether they're hearing me or not, I don't know, but they, that's what they do. When we encounter Moses as an eight-year-old, he's a broken man. He had a promising career. He had studied at the best universities. He had got the best of education. He, he had tried to do the right thing. You know, when you are a youthful person, that's when the sense of justice is strongest in you. Saving the world, saving the earth, a fair opportunity, a shot for everyone. You know, everyone has a, when, when you are young, you, you have a strong sense of justice. And Moses thought, this is my time to be used of God. Ends up as a fugitive to the law. Runs away. Of all jobs in the world, he ends up as a shepherd. That might look very fancy, but it's not fancy. I mean, all day, every day, all you do is look at the backside of sheep. Every day. Every, this is someone, a graduate from university, you know, who could have been running the world as a world emperor. Now all he does is look at the backside of sheep. Every day, all day. Life can, 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 can give you a, 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 a swing ball, you know. If you, poor Moses. This is how we bump into Moses in Exodus 3 when he's looking after sheep. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. 
So he thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. If you read many books or even the Bible, it'll call this the burning bush experience. I don't think it's correct. The bush never burnt. The bush never burnt. This, is, this title is in many Bibles and it's so wrong. When the Bible was written, it didn't have any titles, by the way. These are an edition of men. I would prefer to call it the fuelless fire. And Moses says, let me go and investigate. How come the bush is not burned by the fire? How come the fire is burning without any fuel? So initially it was mom. Mom just saw something special in her son. And said, I sent something of God on my little boy. She looks after him. At some point as a teenager, he thinks he wants to do something together with God. Partner together with God. I'm strong. I've got good ideas. I'm going to work with God. He discovered that doesn't work and he's broken. Now when he is an 80-year-old, when he should be in a people's home, old people's home, that, that's when God comes to him. When he has no desire to do anything and God shows himself in the middle of a bush as a fire. He sees the presence of God and he says, let me go towards the fuelless fire. My hope, my prayer is Hope Church would want to go nearer to the fire to see the fire which burns without any help. The fire which burns without any fuel. Our God is a consuming fire. Let's go towards the fire. Like Moses, let's go and investigate and see how this fire will continue to burn without any fuel. God calls Moses and says, I have a job for you. Moses says, you don't know who you're talking to. I'm, I've run away from Egypt. I can't go back. God says, we are going back there. You are going to go back there and tell Pharaoh, my people must go. God, Moses says, but I'll get arrested there. God says, I'll be with you. We, we are best suited to be used of God when we are broken. We are best used of God when our strength is not in the equation. When we are completely surrendered, dare, say, dare I say, abandoned to God. When we are abandoned to God, when our finances are not involved, our health is not involved, our brains are not involved, we are, we are the best candidates for God to use. At 80, most people are thinking of hanging their boots. They think my life is finished. That's when Moses' political career is starting. He founds what we call the nation of Israel that we know today. Before that, there was no nation of Israel. It is founded in that experience as God has an exchange together with Moses on that mountain of Horeb. God says, go and get my people. Go and get my people. We're going to form a new nation. He writes their first constitution, which we call the commandments. He gives them their laws. He, he gives them their statutes. He founds them into a nation as an eight-year-old. I know there are some young people here who feel like maybe they're a little late in life. You, you know, you, you compare yourself with your friends and you think they've made so much progress. Are they 80 yet? Are your friends 80 yet? Are you 80 yet? There is still time. As long as you are submitted to God, great things can happen in your life. I'm here to assure everybody in this room, everybody in this room, that there is a God who can work with us 80 going forward. Did I say 80? Did you hear 80? 
I know a lot of you are hearing 18. 8-0 going forward. There's a God who can, who can start there with us. People would have given up on you. Nations would have given up on you. Careers would have given up on you. God has not given up on you. He gets the people out and he leads them towards the desert. You know this story very well. And he goes with them. God does fantastic things. Just as they are leaving, they come across the Red Sea. And the people are saying, Moses, were there no graves in Egypt? Why did you bring us here? Now we're going to die here. And, and God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, get a life. Just get a stick, man. Open the thing. Let's go. And he picks his stick and he opens. You know this story. And, and it opens up and, and people cross and people say, wow, wow, wow. And the Bible says, Miriam took up a tambourine and started singing. Exodus 15. Our God has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider are thrown into the sea. The Lord is my song. The Lord is my strength. They sing and cross over. They need food. God provides food. They need water. God provides water. They need a shade. You know, the desert can be quite hot during the day. God provides a cloud. They had air conditioning in the desert. And the desert can be cold at night. God put a... a, a a, a ball of fire on them to keep them warm. A whole 2.8 million people. If that is not a miracle, I don't know what it is. And God moves with them. This is amazing. This is amazing. But in Exodus chapter 33, something interesting happens. Moses has a tent where he goes. And he calls it the tent of meeting. This is a place where he goes and communes with God. He goes and has conversations with God. I had uh, uh, my sister here saying that she, she was reading Acts 16 and she felt God saying. And then I had you, my brother, saying that you, you felt you could share this before the creed. You felt like God was saying you should. Both of them don't have enough confidence to say God said. But it was God who was speaking in their lives. They're thinking it's a little too proud to say God said. So they say, you know, I felt like, you know, maybe God, you know, like God God was speaking to you. God speaks to us. We should be bold about this. This is God. There are things that you know, this is not me. This is not some, a good idea. This is God. We should be bold and know that God speaks through us. Moses went there and had conversations with God and he would come out. <laughs> he would come out of there. And the Bible said he had a, 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 an assistant called uh, Joshua who would hang out on the door. So when Moses left, he would stay there. He would enjoy what, what had gone on between God and Moses. <laughs> and on this particular incident in Exodus 33, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp. This is Exodus 33. A distance away from the people, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring from the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. It must have been a spectacle. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whoa! This is like a movie. So people would actually see a cloud, the cloud come down and go to the door and the door would be closed by the cloud from heaven. 
while Moses was inside. A real cloud. This is not the, the, the smoke machines that we have, you know, you know, at Glastonbury. You know, they were, uh, when Paul McCartney is playing, they go, they smoke. I saw that yesterday. I said, oh, wow. There was the smoke of Moses. This is the smoke of Paul McCartney. When the people saw the pillar of cloud standing in the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face, face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would turn to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, the son of Nun, would not leave the tent. So people would worship. When they saw this happening, they would worship. There's something that people do when they see the presence of God in our lives. Like I said earlier on, I don't speak as an expert, but as someone hungry after God myself too. I remember one time when I was, I was riding my bicycle going to work, I was riding my bicycle, riding my bicycle, and I was praying, you know, you know, this was a Monday actually, you know, Sunday we did wonderful worship, and there was one song which had really hit me, and I was worshiping, and I stopped at the traffic lights. Now when you're riding a bicycle, you, 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 you go on one side like this, so you, you're waiting for the traffic lights to go, to go green, then you cross. But I'm worshiping. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo. And I'm, I'm really enjoying the presence of God, like all African Pentecostals do. And, and I, at some point, I lost it. I continued without knowing that I had continued that much. And I was worshiping and I was crying. My, my t shirt was. And I was praying and I was and I was praying and I prayed and as as I prayed, you know, I, I just carried on without stopping. I think I should preach like an Englishman standing in one place and I say, not go on my bicycle and all those kind of things. I'm sorry about that. Do forgive me. I got a warning eye from him. You know that, that gentleman with the white beard, he gave me the look to say behave yourself. Does it do that to you, Graham? I did it again. No. Oh, okay. And I'm, I'm, set on, I'm, I'm standing on, on my bicycle. My bicycle is in between my legs. And I'm worshiping and crying. Tears. And, and snot is coming out of my nose. My shirt is wet. And I'm, I'm in the middle of town. So after a while, I, I remember I'm not in church. And I'm in town, and I'm going to work. But as my senses come back to myself, I notice there's, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 people around me. Goodness, there were soldiers who were on, going on their morning run, you know, in their vests and their shorts. They've joined in prayer. They are singing, and they're shouting, and, and they're praying. And I'm thinking, is this a vision? Is this a dream? Is this really happening? I look at the watch. I'm late for work. What day is it? I ask the person, what day is it? It is late. It's Monday. It's Monday morning. I said, what time is it? He told me the time. I said, I'm late for work. I jump on my bicycle and I rush to work and I have to apologize. But this did not happen in church. This happened in town. When the presence of God comes, people can see it also. When Moses went in and the prince of God closed the door, the people saw it and they worshipped. 
They joined in worship, just like they joined me in the middle of the street. Just like the soldiers who were going on the morning run stopped with their guy who was ever telling them commands and he was praying also together. I don't even know how many people were praying in that day. I always more than 50 people were praying in the middle of town, in the middle of the street. Cars were going round us, round us, round us. They must have thought we were mad. The presence of God. And Moses was there talking. Verse 12 says, and Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I know, you know me by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways that may, I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Verse 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know you are pleased with me and pleased with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish us, me and your people, from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord says, I will do this very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, show me your glory. And the Lord says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face. For no one can see my face and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed. Then I will remove my hand. You will see my back, but my face may not be seen. Moses, God says, Moses, I love you. You have found favor with me, Moses. I love you, Moses. Moses says, well, I've heard that before, Lord. You have said that since that day I first met you on the mountain, I hear that you love me. And God says, my presence with me. He says, I know, and I love your presence. If your presence is not there, Lord, I don't want even to go to the promised land. God says, you've got me, Moses. During the day, I'm a cloud. At night, I'm a pillar of fire. You've got my presence. Moses says, your presence is not enough. I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. Many of us would be content with the presence of God. Moses was not. I want your glory. God says, no man can see me and die and live. You will die, Moses. He says, then I'm ready to die. God says, okay, Moses. Okay. You will see me. What I will do is I will pick you up, Moses. So God picks Moses up from the ground. He was literally airborne. Do you understand what I'm saying? God picks him up and he puts him on a cleft of a rock where the rock has a V-shape. Because if you read the Bible, anybody who ever encountered the presence of God would fall over. They would fall over on their face except Moses. Moses didn't fall over. Because God picked him up and put him in the cleft of a rock, in the middle of a rock. And he wedged him in there. And God says, I'm going to pass Moses. You will see me, Moses. Your desire will be fulfilled. You will see me. But you won't die. But you're supposed to die, but you won't die, Moses. Actually, when I pass, I will give you my back, Moses. Because you can't see my face. And God put him in the cleft of the rock and he passed by. And Moses saw him. The only human being who ever came that close to seeing God, Moses. Moses. 
Moses saw God. Moses saw God. The question is, Moses was hungry. Moses desired from the very first time we read in Exodus 3 when he went towards the, the bush and said, how come the fire burns but the bush is not consumed? That hunger, that going after God, that going after God stayed with him all his life. I'm inviting us to go after God as a church. I'm inviting us to go after God. There's no point in hearing what God is doing in the Philippines or in Africa or in Asia. God can do the same thing in Bradmore. God can do the same thing in Wolverhampton. God can do the same thing with your life. Go after God. Go after him. My first real powerful miracle was here in this barrel. I was at the GP, at a local GP here. And I had gone there with my missus uh, because uh, our little boy was not feeling well. Have I told you this story? And, and we arrived there around 1 a.m. We're having an intense uh, fellowship with my missus, an intense fellowship in the negative direction. Uh, because she was saying we should go to the GP and I said, no, no, let's pray. She said, look, we have been praying all day. The boy is getting worse. Let's go to the GP. And I said, well, let's pray. And the, the fellowship intensified and intensified and those of you who have married, maybe you have had intensified fellowship with the missus. This was one. So when we, when we got there, my faith was still high. That God is powerful. God healed, didn't heal my son, but God healed somebody miraculous in a very powerful way at 1 a.m. in the GP. Someone who was coming out of the GP and we were ready to go in ourselves and then someone collapsed. Collapsed right there and then. Checked his pulse. They say, this guy is gone. Let's call them for the ambulance. I said, can I pray for him? My wife looked at me and rolled her eyes. She says, you're starting again? You are starting again? I said, God can heal this guy. God can. And I started praying. I started praying. They, they, you know, the doctors come with their thing there and they put, and I said, hey, there's no pulse. They check, you know, they put something in their ears. Say, he's gone. I said, he can leave. And I prayed, and I prayed. And the guy sneezed. I said, you see, I told you. And he was back and he stood up and he was hugging me and his wife was hugging me. And I said, Ivy. My wife is Ivy. I said, Ivy, you see? The presence of God is everywhere. Even in the GP's office. Even when there is intense fellowship with the missus. The presence of God is there. Nothing wrong with my missus. It's me, actually. Don't worry. Moses continued to hunger after God. I hope to hunger after God. If you go to the end of his story in Exodus chapter, in Deuteronomy chapter 34, chapter 34 verse 10 is a very poignant verse when Moses dies. The Bible says, and then Moses died, the servant of the Lord. And after that, there rose again no other prophet like unto Moses who knew the Lord face to face. Who knew the Lord face to face. He spoke with the, with the Lord as a man speaks with his friend. But just before he died, he had a misunderstanding with God. They had a big misunderstanding with God. But because they were friends with God, God said, I'll take you up. Come up the mountain. And he climbed out Mount Nebo. God showed him the whole promised land from Dan to Beersheba. And he saw it in its glory and in its beauty. Moses saw the promised land. God says, you see, I didn't lie when I said, this is where I'm taking you. Everyone is going to go. You won't go, Moses. 
you cannot go. And Moses died. And God himself buried him. The only man to have ever been buried by God. No one else has ever been buried by God. Not even Adam, who was the first creation. Not Adam. But Moses was buried by God. And a lot of people look at Moses as a failure. I don't see Moses as a failure at all. You know, look at Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17. Who is he talking to and have a conversation with? It's Moses. It's Moses. So Jesus, long after Moses died, he's having a conversation with Moses on Mount Transfiguration. And you know what the Bible says? At the end of time, when we leave this earth, when we are in his presence, in Revelation chapter 15, the Bible says, when we get into God's presence, we shall sing the song of Moses. Moses is now standing with God. I'm inviting us to hunger after God. Be hungry for God. More of God. Don't be satisfied with little. Don't be satisfied with just enough. Hunger. Be passionate for God. Ask for God to show himself. To show himself powerfully in your life. Even in ordinary situations, even in work situations, even in health situations, in financial situations, let God show himself true. Our son got ministered by the GP and he got better. He's fine now. But God healed somebody else in the GP. I'm still hungry for God today. I'm still thirsty for him. I'm still expectant for God to do phenomenal things in my life. I'm inviting Hope Church to be hungry for God. Wherever you are at, you could be 80 years old like Moses. God can still do fantastic things in your life. People may have given up on you. You may be running from the law like Moses. You may have made mistakes before like Moses. I mean, very few mistakes are in the same category with murder. Moses had killed somebody. I don't know how many of us here have killed a, a person. You know. We should be, okay. We're not yet at the level where Moses, I mean, killed somebody and then ran away. And yet, he remained after God. I pray that you are after God. You are hungry after God. Thirst for him. Search for him. He will show himself. If you read the Bible, the word of God in Acts, it says he's not far from any one of us. If we reach out to him, he's near to us. He's near. He can be found. He can be found. Our children can hear the voice of God. I remember when my son Tappy, he's now a man himself here in Overhampton, an engineer in Overhampton. But when he was young, one day we lost his mother's purse. When we were about to go to church, I was hurrying everyone up like all African men do. Everyone in the car, whatever is left is left. It's time for church. And, and as they were rushing, she put her handbag on top of the car and then she thought she needed to pick something and pick something, then went to the car, slammed the door, and we drove off. The bag was lost. And she says, you were rushing us out. You, you were rushing us out. I was the one to blame. And I said, but I didn't touch your bag. She says, you, I was sure I had my bag. Then you said, everyone in the car. And then I went in. The, the, the bag is lost. Your fault. And I said, let's pray. And I prayed. I said, Lord, show us where this bag is. I walked the whole road to church asking people. Nobody could find the bag. We went back at home. In the evening, my son says, the Lord says the bag will be found tomorrow. My son was about 12 years old thereabouts. He says the bag will be found at one tomorrow morning. I don't know whether to say amen or are you silly? I don't know what to say. I just said, well, at least there's hope. I said, he, he says, the Lord says. 
And you know what? At one o'clock, I picked him up from school. Quarter to, to one. I arrived at the house at one o'clock exactly. The phone rang. Uh, the girl picked up the phone and says, Pastor, it's yours. So I rushed to the phone, I picked up. Says, This is the mortuary. I said, Excuse me? Says, This is the mortuary. I said, Mortuary? Yes. What, how can I help you at the mortuary? She says, Do you know Mrs. Ivy Kapov? I said, That's my wife. She, she can't be dead. She's right here with me. She says, No, 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 no. There's a bag here for her. I said, Ivy, your bag is in the mortuary. And we rushed. Somebody picked it up and gave it to this guy and says, you have a phone at work? Phone them. And he works at the mortuary. The bag was found at one o'clock. God can still work in our houses. God speaks if we're hungry enough for him. If we're hungry enough for him. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for the hunger that is in this church. I pray, Lord, that each person in this church would know what it is to look after God, to chase after God, to go after God, high and low, to, to be desperate for you. I pray may you manifest yourself in the young men, in the young women, in the men, all the men, all the women, manifest yourself. Show yourself the powerful God we know you to be. Like Moses, may we go and see how the fire burns without the bush being consumed. May we not be just satisfied with glimpses of the presence of God. May we be hungry for your glory. That's our prayer and desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.